0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you guys haven't been rocking a Mystery Ranch Fireline pack for the past couple of years, well, you're probably doing it wrong and your back probably hurts. So, but in addition to that, they make some of the world's finest load-bearing essentials. What do they make, you ask? Well, they make essentials for hunting, backpacking, skiing, camping, just everyday stuff. Hell, they even make briefcases, which is pretty cool. So if you guys want to get a hoodie bag and uh, throw your civilian gear in there and throw it under the seat of your buggy or in your rack or whatever, you can do that. Or if you guys need to make a crew boss kit, pick up one of their briefcases and check this out. A portion of the proceeds from one of those backpacks and one of those briefcases, which I'll be announcing later, is going to go directly to the 1039 scholarship fund, which is pretty damn cool. So they're going to be going to be giving back to the community as in you guys. So if you guys want to go back to school and get some education under your belt and help further your career, well, you guys can do exactly just that. Pretty damn sweet. But that will be coming down the line here pretty soon. And I'll be announcing that when it is ready to rock and roll. But be on the lookout for that. In addition to that, they are also launching the Backbone series, which is freaking sweet. And the backbone of our wildland firefighting forces here in north america well they're going to be you guys they're going to be the 10 temp- uh, temporary th- seasonal employees wow i cannot talk this morning but it's going to be the 1039 employee so we're going to highlight some of the stories of you folks out in the field but if you guys want to find out more go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check them out the Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor. Who is that, you might ask? Well, it is none other than Hot Shot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. But in addition to kick-ass coffee for kick-ass causes, well, they make a ton of other stuff. They make a bunch of the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right. So if you need a pour-over system, if you need a sweet coffee cup, if you need an Aeropress, Press, well, they got you covered. In addition to this, they make a ton of of apparel oh yeah so if you guys want to help represent that wildland firefighter culture then go over there and pick up a t-shirt or a hat or some stickers and just keep in mind a portion of those uh funds will always go back to the wildland firefighter foundation in addition to this they support the anchor point podcast by slinging our merch so if you guys want to pick up one of those fire fiend tees or one of the band of brothers tees or stickers Well, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check them out. The Anger Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our latest and greatest and newest sponsor. Who is that, you might ask? Well, it is going to be none other than Manscaped. Oh yeah, your balls will thank you. 2020 has been the year of things that are happening that are completely out of our control, but one thing that we can control is the length of our unruly bushes. Yeah, I said it. At least we can control that. And our sponsors over at Manscaped are here to remind you just that. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Anyways, the lawnmower 3.0. Oh, yeah. I got one of these things. I had the lawnmower 2.0, which is pretty badass, but now the 3.0 is even more badass. Er, badasser? Is that even a word? Anyways, it is a premium electric trimmer designed for the downstairs jumbly bits, and it is built in with their ceramic blades and skin safe technology. So you can help reduce those chances of manscaping mishaps. They also have the Shears 2.0. It's a luxury four piece nail kit. It's got some tweezers for getting those damn hangnails out. And. Some awesome stainless steel nail clippers, which are hardcore and they don't break on, especially on the toenail things. Yeah, it's uh, they're pretty well built. Anyways, they also have their crop preserver, which is one of my favorite things because it is, well, one, it smells good. And two, it reduces the uh, chafing issue. Yeah, pretty cool. But if you guys want to find out more, you guys got to go over to www.manscape.com. And if you guys do buy anything, check this out. Listeners to the Anchor Point podcast, get 20% off plus free shipping. Oh yeah, pretty good deal on everything site-wide. Yeah, just use the code Anchor Point at checkout and you get 20% off plus free shipping site-wide. Once again, that website is going to be www.manscape.com. Check them out. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience, which is pretty damn cool if you ask me. If you guys don't know what it is yet, well, I highly recommend going over to www.wildfireexperience.org and checking it out. Why? Because it is a collection of over 100 stories dating all the way back to the 1940s about wildland firefighting here in North America, and now... Check this out. It is an international affair. Yeah, we even have some grant winners from South, uh, South Africa, Australia, Canada, and here on our home turf as well in the uh, United States here, which is pretty damn cool. And uh, yeah, I definitely think that Bethany has a kick-ass organization going on over there, and she is giving back to the community. You guys have an opportunity to win one of these grants if you guys are telling the story of Wildland Fire. Yeah. So there's a $500 grant program out there. And uh, I know that the 2020 ones have already been announced, but 2021 is right around the corner. So if you guys want to g- get your opportunity to win one of these grants, well, be on the lookout. And once again, if you guys want to find out more information or check out some of these stories, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org. What's going on ladies and gentlemen welcome back hope everybody's doing well and I hope everybody's making it through snap unscathed it is uh, almost October now but the season is definitely not over it's not even Santa Ana season yet so keep your heads on a swivel but today on the show we're going to be talking about the veteran life we're going to be talking about veteran crews we're going to be talking about how vets are just 100% primed and ready to get on these types of crews. It's pretty awesome. It's an awesome program, and they're expanding. Like every time I uh, turn around, there's another veteran crew, a dedicated veteran crew out there in the field, and I love it. It's freaking awesome. But today on the show, we are going to have our good friend, Harry Walker. He is a Vegas Valley hand crew member, and he is the owner of Warhorse Athletics, which is pretty damn cool. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Harry Walker. Welcome to The Anchor Point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got the very own Harry Walker. What's going on, brother? How you doing?
1: It's going on, man? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Hell yeah, dude. So uh, yeah, another yeah, a veteran in fire. And finally, I get to sit down with a vet in fire and talk business about it, dude. I'm stoked for this episode.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's, a, there's definitely a lot of us out there. So hopefully I can uh, at least speak to some of the knowledge that, that they all have.
0: Hell yeah, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself
1: so uh i'll just do my military background because it's kind of pertinent to what we're talking about but uh so i commissioned in the marine corps uh as an officer in 2013 and then you know i went to the basic school the infantry officers course and then was stationed out in hawaii with uh, my unit which was first battalion third marines Uh, and i did two unit deployment programs with them out there uh before exiting uh service in 2018. And some of the jobs I had, I was a a rifle platoon commander, a weapons platoon commander. And then, um, right before I got out, I was the assistant operations officer to the third Marine regiment, which is just basically a a desk job. lots of, uh, for it. Um, so that's just kind of like a brief little background on, uh, you know, what I did in Marine Corps and, and kind of gives a a blurb to some of the guys who, who know what I'm talking about with some of the, the jobs and that kind of
0: thing. Nice, man. So that whole thing down, going down, you, you've been down range, you've done the Marine thing. What was that like for you?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a really good time, uh, in the Marine Corps. It was, uh, uh, I, I left because, and this is kind of the same thing with anything. I feel like you get into something with certain amount of expectations and pretty much all the time, not all those things are going to be fulfilled. Uh, so I still felt like, um, I had some things unfulfilled that, uh, looking at the Marine Corps, when the Marine Corps was going, I kind of figured I wouldn't have the opportunity to do uh, if I stayed in. So that's why I decided to exit, um, which opened up some more pathways with me. Cause now I'm actually over in the, uh, army national guard pursuing some other stuff, which is, which is going to open some doors for me.
0: Can you talk about it? I mean, we've talked about it, but can you go public with that? Cause that's some pretty exciting. Yeah. shit you told me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I exited the Marine Corps, um, came into army, national guard i resigned my commission as a captain and then i uh became a sergeant in the guard and uh, i just attended um special forces assessment selection the beginning of fire season i was about five six weeks of training and uh finishing up the fire season and then in january i go to airborne and then after that i go to some follow-on schools called the q course um to, to try and earn the title of uh, green beret. So obviously it's not done yet and there's still a lot of work to, to be done. So that's, it's the path I'm on right now.
0: Hell yeah, man. That's exciting. That's, that's cool, man. That's yeah. gotta be uh, something that you gotta be proud of.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I haven't done it yet. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done. So, um, you know, definitely not, definitely not thinking I've made it already. So
0: yeah, you'll get there, man. I got faith in that. That's for sure appreciate it boss. Thank you. Thank you, man. So now you're out of the Marines. Well, and you're in the army, you're going through that Mm -hmm. whole thing. And now you're also a firefighter on Vegas Valley hand crew. That's
1: correct. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is my first year in fire and and I've been really lucky with the crew that I found. Um, what I didn't know actually, when I applied to them was that one of my Marines from one of my platoons had actually been on the crew for, um, two to three years. Um, uh, my friend Tyrus, I'm sure you've, you know, put out a blurb about him before, but he was, he had actually been on the crew. Uh, and I didn't realize it when I had, um, applied and then I got accepted and he hit me up. He's like, are you going to Vegas? I was like, yeah, man. He's like, dude, I was on that crew for three years. I was like, oh shit. Sorry. I didn't, didn't even know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Tyrus is a good dude, man. Uh, it seems like he's healing up yeah. pretty well too, after his, uh, his injuries that he had unfortunate accident. Yeah. But. I,
1: yeah. I saw him, uh, pretty recently in Vegas, actually. And he's doing really well. Um, I caught up with him on the phone the other day. He's, he's, uh, he's working at a brewery right now. So, uh, he's kind of out of the house and he's, he's getting around. So he's doing really well. Really That's good. good. To
0: see. Yeah, man. Uh, he had some pretty extensive injuries from that, uh, whole ordeal, man. Hopefully we can get him back out in the field, doing some firework here eventually.
1: For sure. Yeah, for sure. That's his long-term goal.
0: Yeah. So what was life like, uh, downrange? What was that all about? What it like run us a day through so, the night, Cause I've, I've, I've never served in the military or anything like that. So this is, you know, kind okay. of one of those things for me.
1: So the way it worked for my unit for first time, third Marines is, so our area of operations assigned to was the Pacific. And what that means uh, for us is we went to, we would go to Okinawa and then we would branch off to Japan, to Korea, like any number of those States, because the, the grand vision for, Um, Third Marine Regiment was basically like strategic deterrence, basically um, controlling those shipping lanes, those areas of the ocean, those countries, or, you know, at least providing like a forward presence to deter any, you know, military action from some of the, you know, the big competitors we have like China, et cetera. So as a result of that, because that was our assigned area, they they didn't give um, our unit combat deployments, which is one of the factors that you know, made me actually exit the Marine Corps and pursue uh, the Army National Guard SF thing because um, you have a much greater chance of being involved with direct action missions if that's what you want. Um, So that was one of the deciding factors actually of of why I got out. But um, typically like uh, the way a rotation or a schedule will work for a Marine unit getting ready to go out on a deployment, whether combat or not, is they'll have, um, the way it was for me is we had about uh, a six to 12 month workup back at home. This is of periods of time where you would go out to, um, different training areas and do like big, large scale, like kind of like practice evolutions, but you would integrate, you know, live fire, you know, all these coordination of assets. You would do that, uh, up until a certain checkpoint where they usually do an evaluation and, 29 Palms, California for the Marine Corps. Uh, And they basically, it's a large scale evolution and it's a way for a unit to demonstrate that they're ready for deployment. You know, there's evaluators and you get graded on all these things and at every level you're being graded. So as a platoon commander, as a company commander, battalion commander, et cetera. Um, And once you can kind of uh, check those items off the box, it's like basically the Marine Corps saying like, okay, you're ready to go deploy. So what that looks like is guys will train pretty hard and then they'll go out, uh, they'll work with partner nation forces or they're going to combat deployment and they'll uh, express those skills that they've been training for. Um, what you're running into now a lot more with the Marine Corps is uh, they're training, going on non-combat deployment, training, going on non-combat deployment. So a lot of guys feel like it's kind of Groundhog Day where they're, um, they're, you know, learning all these skills, but they're not getting to use them. And that can be, you know, pretty frustrating, I think for some people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it would kind of be like, you know, being in the off season for fire and, you know, getting your fitness up and, you know, maybe getting to some publications or reading some stuff and then you never go to a fire. It would kind of be like that. You know what I mean?
0: So Yeah. It's going to be super frustrating.
1: Yeah. It'd be be pretty frustrating. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) God, man. So it's the rinse and repeat cycle just constantly, huh? And that's a kind of drove you out and it made you change directions in your career. Not necessarily yeah, drove you yeah. out, but pursue the special right. And it's, thing.
1: And you never know when something's going to pop up. So, I mean, like, there's a reason for the rinse and repeat cycles because you have to maintain a state of readiness. Yeah. Um, it, but, uh, you know, if there's other options available, which allow you to to do more than, if that's what you want to do, I think you should take them. Um, that's what I'm trying to do. So, big advocate of that, obviously.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to train. You know, I mean, especially in you know a combat environment or potential for a combat environment. You know, I mean, if you were to compare that, which I hate doing by the way, to the fire. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we do. We we train preseason. Right. we Train you know through the shoulder seasons for the fight, just in case there is one. Which there's well, domestically there's obviously fires, but with the military, right. you know, and there may or may not be a conflict.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, those experiences downrange, like everything that you've experienced in your military career thus far, uh, what is that like? Mm-hmm. What has that taught you for like life experiences and fire and everything else?
1: Uh, it gave me a great base, I'd say, as like a launching pad for everything else I've done in my life. Um, you know, going to the Marine Corps uh, as an officer. Um, along with all the, you know, negative stereotypes that go along with that. There's some good ones. Um, but one thing, yeah, yeah. one thing I think it does, uh, force you to do is it forces you to mature pretty quickly because you're you're basically being put in charge of 30 to 40 lives, depending on what your, what your job is. Um, and then one of the really good, big lessons that I had been taught at, uh, infantry officers course, uh, of the instructors, told us was, uh, just like this quote, and it's, it's not about you. Um, and so anytime, you know, you're kind of, you know, getting internal, you're feeling like selfish, whatever it is, uh, it's never like about your self-interest. You always have to be thinking team oriented or about, you know, long-term goal. Um, so things like that, lessons like that, you know, having to mature quickly and then, uh, you know, kind of selfless service, um, in principle, those were really good, uh, lessons I learned early on in the Marine Corps and just the rest of it, just, you know, almost everything. I haven't had a job yet in my life that isn't a a people business. Uh, you know, you see a lot and obviously inspires the same way because, uh, you know, you could be the biggest stud out there and have the most knowledge, but if people hate working with you and if you, you know, you don't know how to treat people, you don't have emotional intelligence like any of these things, you know, you're not going to be welcome on a crew and you're gonna, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense though, because you had like the fast, hard, you know, lessons in leadership about, you know, leading up, you said a platoon, right? Yeah, that's correct. Now, I'm sorry. I'm forgive my naivety here, but w- what is the size of a platoon? You said 40, 40 to 50 people.
1: It's about 40, you know, if they have, uh, all the guys are supposed to, it'll be about 40 guys, 40 Marines.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's a, excellent thing to be thrown into and it translates very well to fire. Um, I had a previous guest on the show that went to fire and then the military and then back to fire. So it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of cool to see someone who went into the military first and then went into fire like yourself. Right.
1: And it also gave me, gave me a really good, you know, uh, baseline for physical fitness and a long, uh, laundry list of (laughs) kind of like, uh, hard or, you know, crappy experiences, you know, being outside and being in the elements in the weather. Um, and those are really great to have because, you know, later down the line, when you're experiencing something similar or you're in a bad situation, you just think about, you're like, Hey, you know, I did this other thing this one time. It's not as bad as that. So I could definitely do this. So you get a long list of, uh, experiences to draw from to kind of help you push through stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is it makes you tough. Yeah. It genuinely right. makes you tough. Like an- another, <laughs> another freaking level, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's like the perfect setup though to step off uh, from that military background into fire because there's a lot of similarities. Like I said, I hate drawing comparisons between the two because they're nothing alike except for maybe mm-hmm. like the structure and like the discipline sure. factor.
1: Yeah, the the integration was really easy um, for myself because, like you're saying, the structure is really similar, uh, and then uh, obviously. Um, being on a vet crew, the camaraderie is already there because of shared service. But I think even without it being a vet crew, uh, the personality type that's that's attracted to this um, is pretty similar. Uh, you know, it's it's wanting you know some sort of I don't want, I don't know if hardship's is the right word, but wanting some sort of challenge in your life. You know, both you know physically and mentally. And I think this is definitely what that provides.
0: Oh yeah, keeps you in shape too. And speaking of keeping in shape, you also run a fitness a fitness side hustle.
1: I do. I do. Yeah. I have a, <laughs> I have a business called Warhorse athletics and it's, it's pretty focused on helping out, um, tactical athletes. So not just guys in fire, but police, military, any, anyone who's, uh, kind of in that realm. I've got a couple guys who are, um, anti-poachers on the program that, that I worked with. Cause I, I was out in Africa working for a little bit. And that's how I got introduced to that world. So, and it's, you know, I have, I have clients who are, just regular people do. They have desk jobs and who just want to get after it, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's mostly focused on people whose jobs, you know, their, their lives or their job kind of depends on, um, you know, being fit, being strong,
0: that hard to kill mentality. So like, absolutely. Was, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, well, yeah, your body is a temple. You might as well make it, you know, as resilient as possible for sure, especially in, you know, dangerous lines, hazardous lines of work, you know, it's kind of important. Absolutely, absolutely. So, run us a little bit through of like uh, your sample workouts. Like, what do you what do you predicate your whole uh, Warhorse Athletics programming off of?
1: So, it's going to be. There's, I wouldn't say there's one cookie cutter workout because basically, it's. Well, I'll do a consultation with someone, uh, and based on that individual's needs, based on what job they have, everything's going to get developed around that. So, the cardio uh you know that's thrown into a program for a wildland firefighter you know a guy in a hand crew it's going to be really different than a guy who's on a SWAT team yeah. because yeah. you know that that wildland firefighter's got to be able to go forever right he's got to be able to uh you know go up mountains for hours and hours uh whereas that that SWAT guy can probably afford to you know maybe be a little bit like muscular a little bit bigger but he's got to be explosive cuz maybe he's you know, he's clearing rooms or he's gonna have to chase someone on foot for like a short period of time. Um, so those energy system requirements are a little bit different. So, uh, what happens is I'll always do an initial consultation with someone, um, kind of figure out what stuff they need for whatever activities they're doing. And then we'll go from there. But I, I will say I'm pretty biased. I love like strongman type workouts. I love, uh, you know, like, you know, picking up stones and, and pressing stuff overhead. So I'll try to throw that in as much as I can. I'll try to find a way to justify it. And, uh, usually, you know, people are a pretty big fan of that. So, uh, I will say, yeah, I like throw that strong man stuff in there. It's
0: nice. Yeah, dude, I've seen some of your, uh, work on Warhorse there. And, uh, yeah, I've seen like you've carrying like kettlebells on the line, which a yeah, lot of people are, like yeah. scratching their heads, like, what the fuck is this guy yeah. doing? You know, but I think it's yeah, cool. You know, it's- I think it's cool.
1: Yeah, it's good. Not every day, as you know, not every day is a a super busy day on fire. Some days you're monitoring or whatever. And, uh, you know, we, on our crew, we like to still get after it. So on those days, uh, we know we're not going to be getting into it. We'll try to we'll throw some workouts together and get after it. It's a good
0: time. Yeah. Well, that's a cool thing about you. Uh, your crew in particular is they're really open to, you know, getting after it wherever they can just fitting in. You guys are always priding yourself on fitness. And, uh, I know Eric is very, very keen on that. He's all about it. So he supports it and, uh, yeah, wherever you guys can implement workouts with the stuff you have, which is pretty cool Yeah, outside the box thinking
1: been going well. Lots of rocks, lots of rocks and trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like you guys are doing snatches with like a, a tree
1: <laughs> pretty much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's rad. dude. I love it. I, I just like seeing that stuff. It's motivational.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's been a good time.
0: But yeah. So what, what ultimately was your interest in fire? Like how did you get into it?
1: So I had, when I got in 2018, um, I, uh, went back home. I'm from Boston originally. And, um, Pretty soon thereafter was was offered a, a job to go actually work out in Africa, doing some anti-poaching stuff. Um, so basically just working with um, the rangers over there and, and helping prevent rhino and elephant from being poached. And that was a great job because I was outside in the bush almost every day. Uh, and then I came back to the States, kind of came back to Boston and was like in the city and was like, wow, I am miserable. <laughs> like, I don't want to be in the city anymore. You know, I just, just been living in the bush for a few months. Um, and so I was kind of looking for something, you know, in the States that would, was similar in, was similar to the military, honestly, in the sense of, uh, would allow me to be outside a lot would be mentally and physically challenging. And Um, I had always, I had always kind of had fire in my peripherals. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just did a a quick Google search and and just, you know, started looking up the process on how to, to get involved with fire. And, uh, I saw that there's, you know, there's veteran crews, uh, and I thought that'd be a, a really great opportunity. And it was, I was surprised that, um, no one in the military, in the Marine Corps, when I was exiting, had kind of talked to me about that because that's, uh, I feel like that's a job that a lot of, you know, Marines and, uh, uh, other servicemen exiting would be interested in. And so I followed up, found a, you know, got that whole list of vet crews and shot out applications. Um, and luckily, you know, Vegas Valley responded and, you know, I followed up with them.
0: Nice man. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a ton of vet crews that are, I guess there there's, there's more and more every time I like look up right. vet crews in the United States, there's a ton more popping up, yeah. which is cool. I'm super stoked about these programs.
1: Yeah, it's great. I think it's a it's an awesome opportunity for guys uh, because I know there's a lot of guys who would uh, enjoy this work a lot. And you know, just just during the season, a lot of my friends and a lot of um, guys I served with have reached out and and you know, trying to get some information about it. So I know it's definitely something that um, guys want to get involved in.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you think it's because of the similarities between fire and military that it just it makes it a super easy transition right. or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was one guy on our crew who actually, um, basically as soon as he exited the service, he was, he's another Marine. He came right over here and he said, it's kind of been like a seamless transition. And I think that has a lot to do with that. Um, you, that like shared misery you get from, you know, doing something hard physically together you know, it's, it's very bonding and then, um, you know, it's just, it's just really similar to like being in the field all the time and, and having those, that shared sense of humor, those shared experiences, it's really, really similar to the military.
0: Yeah. That in the transition period is it pretty easy too because you know we have veterans preference as well. I mean, what was that right. like for you? For
1: uh I mean, I, I think the veteran preference thing for the Vegas crew was it was basically a requirement you had to be a veteran to get on. So yeah, there was that. But the way it works for that is you just have to, you know, present your DD two fourteen, which is your basically paperwork um showing proof of military service and exiting the service, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I know there is that, that preference over in, you know, the structure side and in crews where it's not uh, a requirement to be a vet basically.
0: Yeah. I gotcha. And yeah. now, so that this, let's, let's focus more on the similarities between fire and the military because okay. I've I haven't served. So, yeah. What, what, is, what was, what is that like? I mean, get down to like the nitty gritty and the, 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 specifics of that.
1: Similarities. So I can only speak to similarities between fire and, and the infantry because I was, I was an infantry officer. I was an infantry guy. Um, and in the sense, uh, I actually think I've spent more time in the field and fire, you know, percentage wise than I did uh, in the infantry, which was, it was kind of like an interesting thing. Cause I thought, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps that we spent a, a good amount of time in the field. Um, until I came over here and I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> but, uh, so there's obviously that aspect is, is being outside a lot. Um, you know, getting used to getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, knowing that you're not going to have, uh, all the amenities and, you know, all, all the things. So I think that makes you really grateful both sides, both, I think both fire and military, uh, you can become very grateful for the things you do have when you do return, like, like having a bed, can be really nice you know after a while or like you know just getting a shower that kind of stuff um so i do really like that about both worlds is, is it humbles people and makes them grateful for things they have um so yeah definitely that outdoors aspect is shared and then um the camaraderie obviously there's you know a very specific sense of humor that develops uh when you're dark. just out yeah when you're just out there with your friends and there's no one around to hear you know you kind of know um, so there's, there's definitely that aspect of it too. It's, it's stuff, it's jokes you would never make, you know, like back at home or like back in the real world, you know, but you know, you can share that stuff with, uh, with the guys you're out there with.
0: I got you. So that is spirit of core is that's real similar, especially, with, for sure, especially with yeah. your crew that you're on now too, because you guys are all previous veterans. Yep.
1: That, that's correct. And then for the most part, we're all, um, it's almost all army and Marine Corps. There are, uh, there are a couple of Navy guys, uh, who were, who were both, uh, uh, rescue swimmers. That's so badass. basically, yeah, they're, they're like, they're fish basically. But uh, yeah, most of us, most of us are army Marines. Do
0: you guys uh, harass each other, uh, br- for a branch of service? I
1: think so at first. Yeah. Like when we first get there with like the new guys you kind of do and then, and then by the end, you know, we're near the end of the season here. It's, uh, it doesn't really matter which, which branch you came from.
0: Yeah, man. I could, I know there's like always that competition between the branches and military service. Um, oh, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit talk for sure.
0: <laughs> it's fun though. Cause if someone's not talking yeah, shit good. and like harassing you a little bit, it usually means that they don't like you.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's, if you're being left, if you're being left alone, that probably means no one on the crew is your friend. Like <laughs> if no one's like ruthlessly getting into you and making fun of you, it probably means, you don't have any friends on the crew. So watch out for that.
0: Oh man. Well, speaking of the crew, uh, what's some suspicious, suspi- Jesus, I cannot talk. What's some specifics about Vegas Valley? Like, uh, what's your crew all about?
1: Crew, what We're all about, uh, so we love, uh, I'd say the culture our culture is really good in the sense that we really pride on pride ourselves on being a pretty, uh, fit crew, being able to deal with like, you know, some of the high heat of the desert, um, we're super, super competitive. So, uh, chances are, if you see us out on the fire and we have some free time, we'll challenge you to a flip or some sort of eating contest or some sort of like feat of strength or something. So just, uh, we're always, we're always down for a challenge. If anyone wants to seek us out, you know, just we're, we're up up for it. Um, but no, we're really good at being, uh, we're real tight knit. We take care of each other. Um, we want to provide that opportunity for guys uh, to come into fire, to either stay involved or to use it as as a launch pad to go somewhere else. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, it's a great group of guys. I'm really, I'm really happy you found them.
0: Nice. And now as, as far as like other veterans getting into the world of fire, like get, getting out of service and then going into yeah. something new, um, what would you suggest for, uh, these guys that are looking for these careers?
1: Uh, I would, I would definitely say, um, coming to it from, if you're coming from a position of responsibility, if you're, if you're, you know, a, an officer, you're a, a staff non-commissioned officer, or even if you, you know, or just uh, an NCO, you had a lot of responsibility. Be prepared to make that transition to come in to be. That new guy who doesn't know anything, you know, you have to basically start from zero essentially to learn. And, you know, you have to humble yourself to know that there's going to be guys who are younger than you who know a lot more. Um, and, and basically the things that you did in the service, it's not that they don't matter, but it's their relevance to what you're doing now, uh, isn't, isn't as great. So, um, basically you shouldn't show up with a chip on your shoulder. I think, uh, you know, I've heard stories of guys showing up and not wanting to do things cause they felt, you know, they, you know, they were above it, but you know, we're all coming here on the same playing field and, and starting new, starting fresh. Um, so if you can just show up humble and be ready to work hard, then, you know, you're going to go far.
0: Yeah. What are your, what's your average season? Like, I mean, how many hours are you guys sitting at this, this year? I know it's kind of a, an exception to the rule this year because we're super busy all of a sudden. So
1: I want to say, I'm trying to think of what they said it was for last year. I think, uh, I think they got to about 800 last year. I think it was slow last year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This year you guys got to be probably cranking. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're pretty high.
1: I, yeah. We're pretty, pretty high this year. I can't even remember what we're at right now, but we're doing well.
0: Yeah. But like realistic expectations for people that are considering getting out of the military and going into this, uh, what, yeah. I mean, what is an average season for you guys?
1: So the, the timing is important on when they're, when they're getting out because, um, so through USA jobs, the the site where you do all your applications for the most part, um, you know, that timeframe is going to be, you know, December, January, when those applications, those, those positions start filling up or opening up at least. Um, so if anyone's exiting a service, they just need to be aware of, of what that, those, those timelines can be and it. It isn't, uh, unheard of that, you know, someone can join a crew late. We had a couple guys do that. Um, but just, uh, we started in May and then we're going to be going probably till the end of October. So that's kind of a rough timeline of when our season actually uh, goes for. Um, but so you just basically have to back data from that period on, on when you're putting in your applications and when you're, you know, looking at reasonably exiting service, et cetera.
0: Gotcha. And that's another thing too, I wanted to ask you is now you're in the guard currently. Yep. How do you, how do you balance that? Cause you could still have both and you're yes. able to balance that. So what's that like?
1: So the way it worked for me is because, uh, because I went to that training like right at the beginning of season, um, I kind of ducked out for five weeks that actually fulfilled my drill obligation for the year. So because of that, I didn't have to leave, uh, any more additionally during the season. And, um, you know, that was something it's going to be specifically your unit and your crew, but that was something I was able to work out with both parties. Um, you know, I, I told my crew, Hey, I have to go to this training from then to then, and then I'll, you know, I'll be there all season, you know, cause I talked to my, my unit. I said, as soon as I'm done with this training, you know, I'm not going to be able, available until after the season ends. And so thankfully both parties, uh, we're understanding can make that work, so it's definitely doable. You just have to, you know, work out the specifics with with both parties. But I, uh, I know I know some guys. Um, usually, there's like two weeks of active training uh, in the summer for guard guys, mm-hmm. uh, and and most crews will say, you know, go go to that training and then come back for the rest of the season, and they're okay with letting that happen.
0: So they're usually pretty cool about it, as long as you're transparent on yeah. both sides.
1: Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. You got to be transparent and, you know, keeping everyone in the loop. Um, and I think as long as you do that, it's, it's pretty easy to, to be flexible with it and make it happen.
0: I gotcha. So where'd you guys start out this, uh, this year, did you guys go the typical role so far, like with, uh, starting out with the Southwest or did you guys stay mostly local? Cause I know you guys had an early season, at least out here in region four. We did.
1: Yeah, we did. We stayed pretty local. Um, as the season went on, uh, we went out, to, probably around the middle of the season, we started going out to, you know, Idaho, been to Colorado. Uh, we were just in Oregon. So I think, uh, you know, we might, we might go back out there next, not sure yet, but, um, we had a lot of local desert fires, uh, which we weren't weren't too happy about just because uh, we wanted to get in September, but you know, we, we've gotten in September we had a good time. Um, I think, I think that's usually how the pattern of the season goes. We start out local. There's a lot of, you know, uh, heat out here in the desert. And then we end up chasing it out, um, either to the Northwest or we go up to, you know, Idaho or somewhere like that.
0: I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. man. I know that, uh, Eastern Nevada this year, man, it kind of popped off. It was kind of crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Lots of, lots of grass fires
0: <laughs> <laughs> just sitting out there wearing it in the sun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. It's always fun.
0: Oh man. So speaking of Oregon, man, you, now that's a hot topic of concern right now of mm-hmm. what's going on in Pacific Northwest and California right now. What's sure. going on up there, man. You, so you have boots on the ground experience. What, what was, what were you seeing just freak windstorms or.
1: Uh, well in terms turns I was physically seeing not much cause my face swelled up size of a pumpkin cause of all the poison oak out there. I found out pretty, <laughs> uh, got a pretty good reaction to it. But, uh, just from the, the short little snapshot we saw out there, we were about there for about a week, um, on a fire, and um, I, honestly, the fire that we were on was, was seemed pretty calm. Uh, we weren't getting too much crazy erratic weather. They said there was going to be a few times. I don't think it really settled on where we were. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty simple, c- cut and dry. It's
0: just a simple assignment, kind of go up there and do the do the thing.
1: Yeah. We were, we were there, you know, when it, when it just started. Um, and so we were kind of operating in the same area on the fire for most of the time. So we didn't see too much, um, bad activity while we were there.
0: Yeah, man. It's just crazy. Like, uh, some of these fires are just smoking entire communities and it sucks.
1: Yeah. So we were, it was a residential area. Uh, thankfully, um, we didn't, uh, you know, have any problems with, with containing it and affecting, you know, the local houses. We were able to get there early enough, um, where, uh, you know, the structure protection we did worked out.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, that's the thing. It's so hit or miss, man. With the, uh, just depending on the locality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's freaking gnarly. But hopefully it calms down because it it, kind of worries me, man, especially with the extensions that they're granting uh, through the DOL and the Department of Labor Mm -hmm. and uh, all the overhead. NISI's issuing out these extensions for your 1039 employees to extend the season. It kind of worries me, man, because uh, people are starting to get fatigued. And it's not even Santa yep. Ana season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see, um, you know, if, if extending that season, like, like more and more and more, definitely I could see how it could burn, burn guys out just because at the, the rate of, uh, of work we're doing out here, it's, uh, you know, something that's like a concept that the military is familiar with is, you know, you have to, uh, cycle guys in and out and you know do fresh rotations or else there is going to be burnout you know just both mental and physical and there's you know people have families they've got to take care of you know home life and they're just not able to do that if uh you know they're constantly being pushed back out
0: yeah it's a hard life man especially if you have a family and kids and you know a dog yeah. white picket fence all that stuff it's definitely a, sure. a young man a young man or young woman sport that's for sure yeah
1: definitely uh, yeah young uh, young and single kind of game i would say <laughs>
0: Well, it's perfect for people to, you know, if they're young and single getting out of the military.
1: Yeah. If they want some adventure, it's, it's the way to go.
0: You definitely get a a, a shit ton of adventure, man. That and you get to go and see like some places that are completely untouched by humanity.
1: Yeah. Which is pretty great. That's, that's one of the nice things is uh, about this job is you go, you get to see some pretty amazing parts of America, you know, for free essentially. And then you get to go and protect them. So that's, that's pretty good.
0: Hardcore summer camp edition.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh man. Well, yeah. So what does the future hold for you?
1: So future, um, obviously gonna be finishing up the season. And then, uh, with kind of like a a small little time gap, I gotta get myself into a a different kind of shape. And then I'm going to go to some more, some more, um, training with the national guard and then, uh, you know, pursue that pursue that pipeline and see, see how it works
0: out for me. Yeah. You got this stuff, man. You're good. You got it. <laughs> Thanks, no, I'm stoked for you, man. Uh, after special forces, uh, the selection in the school and the green beret thing, are you going to mm-hmm. stay with that or are you going to go back into fire or?
1: I'm going to do both. My plan is to do both, uh, because of how flexible uh, the national guard is and already having talked to my unit. Um, I'll be able to go, uh, on deployments with them. And obviously it has to align, you know, so it might mean a missed season here or there, but, uh, the plan is to continue with fire, continue with Vegas Valley. Um, and also be involved with those, uh, deployments on, on the, the SF side.
0: Nice. No, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, I got to get you in touch with like Harrison rain and, uh, Greg Jones, man, they're super heavily invested over in like the Southern Africa, uh, anti-poaching awesome. thing.
1: Good dude. Yeah. I'd, l- I'd love that. I have, uh, I have a few connections over there and I'd love to make more.
0: Yeah. Maybe tell, maybe you'd be able to go over there and do some of the stuff that they were doing. They're actually, uh, training some of the locals, uh, the local firefighting brigades down there. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'd love that. It's like an exchange program. Pretty cool, man. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So what about Warhorse, man? Where are you going with that?
1: Warhorse horse is it's continuing to grow. It's continuing to, uh, get stronger. I'm actually looking on, um, bringing on some new coaches so that, uh, you know, during some of these time periods during fire or training, otherwise when I kind of get sucked away for a little bit. I have, uh, I have some guys who can, who can keep the, keep the thing pumping while I'm,
0: while I'm out. <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> the doing <bills> whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. But uh, no, it's, I've, I've been really humbled by uh, how much it's been growing and the people reaching out and what, you know, I've been able to use it to do. Um, uh, you know, this whole fire season, all of the merchandise that I sell, the profit goes to Tyrus's, uh, recovery fund. Um, so that, that in and of itself, like justified creating the company for me that I was able to use it to, you know, reach out on a platform and get people, um, just aware of, of a guy who need who needs some help. And, uh, he got a ton of help, some yeah. people donated, uh, a lot of people, you know, reached out messages. So that, uh, that was pretty crazy to me. It meant a lot.
0: Yeah, man. And, uh, thanks for, you know, tuning me into that whole thing, man. I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Glad uh, I could be involved with that and help out with, you know, Tyler or Ty's, uh, recovery efforts, man. It was a yeah, big, that was yeah. a big thing. I was like super stoked. The overwhelming amount of support that everybody poured in.
1: It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, the Marine community and the fire community are pretty, pretty good communities to have behind you. So, uh, awesome. And thank you so much for, for spreading the word and doing your part in that because you obviously had a lot to do with that as well.
0: A little bit. Uh, just not not as much as you did. You set the whole <laughs> damn thing up, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, I hope that... I mean, with managing a, 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 a business while you're doing the firefighting thing and doing the guard thing, dude, that's got to be a hell of an endeavor. It's... Yeah.
1: It takes some time management. It means uh some of the time that I have on the road when we're traveling or some of the time, um, when we have days off is, is definitely, um, sucked up by that, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I really enjoy, I really enjoy those things really enjoy, um, what I'm doing and wouldn't have it any other way. And it's just, uh, yeah, if you want, if you want to make something work, you'll make it work. You know, even if, you know, you don't know, you know, service on the woods sometimes or whatever, you know, when, uh, when you can grab like, you know, a quick service, you know, your client sends you a text and just cause they want you to see, you know, them hitting a PR on a lift or something. You just quick reply. Like, yeah, good job, man. Like I'm on this fire, but you know, I'll, I'll be back soon. You know, I'll, I'll update you soon, your program. You know what I'm saying?
0: I promise, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No dude, it's, it's, that's uh yeah, it's hard. Uh, when I was doing this whole podcasting, when I was first starting out before I got out of fire, it's, it's a little excessive. It's hard to manage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, we, we were talking about earlier, but as you know, being your own boss, you know, your own, you're your own worst enemy. you super critical. Um, you know, and that, that trait is both good to good and bad to have. You gotta be nice to yourself sometimes, but most of the time, you, yeah, you need to push yourself.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, your, like I said, man, it's your baby. You don't want to let it die. You don't want to let it fail. So, and you're ultimately for sure. responsible for, for it. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're doing a great job with yours. So I don't think, I don't think it's going to die anytime soon. Don't worry about that.
0: (laughs) But yeah, man, I mean, as far as like the side hustle and starting a firefighter owned business, uh, do you have any advice out there to anybody who's waiting to pull the trigger on that?
1: Yeah. Stop waiting. Uh, (laughs) Stop waiting Pulling the trigger. You know, I, (laughs) the thing with war horses, I had actually been doing uh I'd been doing it informally basically since 2013, you know, just, just with friends and peers, like other guys in the Marine Corps. And it wasn't until, um, I was talking to my friend who owns a gym, uh, and kind of, you know, figuring out, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll do this stuff. And then, you know, I can open it in a couple of years. And he was like, why are you waiting? Just do it now. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I should. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So yeah, usually, usually you just need to pull the trigger and, you know, uh, throw yourself out there, which can kind of be, you know, not, you know, not everyone wants to do that. Cause you know, think of all the the, the bad things that could happen, but I guarantee you, if, you know, it's better to have tried it than to, you know, never have realized your potential for, for, you know, starting a business or, Or whatever it is you think you're doing, yeah, you just gotta pull the trigger.
0: Yeah, dude, I think that failure factor, like just dwelling on like, oh shit, what if I fail, and all this other stuff, and all these what ifs, all these what if scenarios. I think that's a big holdback for a lot of people that are looking to start a business. Now, I will say that it is kind of hard to, you know, do something that's especially public-facing that requires Mm -hmm. a lot of public interaction, especially in times like now with COVID. Uh, right. so I, you know, reanalyze that one. If you're going to like open a bar or something like that. Right. Right. Like yeah. all bad things, man, they'll go away eventually.
1: It's- yeah. I think this has been a good time for people to realize that there are a lot of alternatives or different ways to maybe do something that they've been thinking of doing. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it kind of, I opened, well, I started Warhorse in January and it actually, in terms of how timing it was, well, I do not say it was good timing, but, uh, a lot of people were starting to train remote what people were trying to starting to train from home, um, you know, with limited equipment, all kinds of things, which is all basically what, you know, I'd been doing in the military, um, you know, working out with rocks and stones and trees and whatever I could find. And suddenly, you know, people didn't have access to a gym. People didn't have access to equipment. And they're like, Oh, look at this guy. He's, you know, doing all these workouts with his body or like with stuff he finds. And so in terms of timing, it, it kind of came out of a, a good time for me and showing people, you know, that you don't need every bell and whistle to, you know, increase your fitness. You know, if you have your body, you already have, you know, a pretty powerful tool, you know, and everything else is, you know, is, is, you know, nice to
0: have. Oh, absolutely, man. And then that whole thinking outside of the box mentality. I think that's important, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to start a business or, you know, get into shape or pretty much anything. It's like, all right, I can't do this, this and this. What can I do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. I dig it. But yeah, as far as starting a business, man, to anybody out there that's listening, um, you know, it's a good residual income if uh, you know, you do it the right way. And oftentimes you can use that residual income for bigger and better things and for Forces of good, like with Tyrus. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's that's the nice thing. Since it's supplementary or, you know, uh, extra income, uh, I don't really have the way I view war horse is, is a tool to to help the community around me, veteran community, fire community, uh tactical community, et cetera. So anytime I can do that, um that income I, I kind of view it as money to put back into the community or put back into the business, which helps the community. Um, so that is the nice thing about having a little side hustles. It's, it's money that, uh, you can use for things that, you know, you're passionate about.
0: Oh yeah, man. Then definitely let your passion drive your, your decisions, you know, for sure. Yeah. Otherwise what's the point? (laughs) It's it's your business. You can do whatever the hell you want with it really. (laughs) Pretty pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, dude, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. But last question before you go, Kick, kick ass. MRE recipes. What do you got for us?
1: Has anyone ever talked to you about the orange chicken? No. Like Chinese style Chinese food style orange chicken? Okay. So the Asian beef strips, right? Yeah. You've had those? Oh yeah. See and you know the orange beverage based powder, right? Yeah. Yeah. So all you got to do, you don't put the whole packet in there, maybe like half the packet, feel it out first, but you know, you mix it in there, you know, uh, put it in the heater, mix it up. And you got, you know, you got the orange flavored chicken right there. Chinese home recipe.
0: All right. I mean, would you add, add like a little bit of crackers, you know, to simulate some, you know, breading?
1: Oh, see, so you're taking it to the next level now. You know, I came, <laughs> I came at you at the very <laughs> basic level and you're trying to outdo me and i trying to add stuff. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing shit out there, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yo, it sounds good. sounds
0: good. <laughs> no, one of my favorites was, uh, you take the sliced apples, you throw a packet of apple cider in there and like, uh, uh-huh. either some, uh, like pound cake or crackers or, you know, the, the MRE snack bread. Yeah. That's always pretty good.
1: That's pretty good. I will say, uh, some of the, the more disgusting MRE recipes I saw is, uh, our crew did a, we did an MRE boat race with another crew, which is basically like, you know, five guys and they have to go down the line, finish the MRE as fast as possible. And that's when the next guy can start. And uh-huh. I saw some of the most disgusting combinations of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> One of our guys just took every item and threw it inside the main bag and like added water and ate it like a soup. Um, and it was, it did not look good, but that's it fast. We, it was fast. We won. We won. It's all hey, that matters. It's
0: efficient, man. You got to do what you got to do to win. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was good. It was a good time.
0: Hey, at least they're phasing out the vomlet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I oh. actually saw it. One of our guys got it this season. I saw really? it. I, I never even saw it when I was in the Marine Corps, so I was pretty impressed.
0: That's because you guys got all the new memories.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. true.
0: <laughs> we get the leftovers from you guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: Oh, man. So, yeah, dude, at the end of the show, I'd like to give you the opportunity to uh, give a shout out to a homie hero mentor. Who do you got for us?
1: Uh, Yeah. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my homie, Tyrus Bishop, the guy that, uh, you know, he, he suffered an out of work uh, burn injury and uh, has, has been crushing his recovery and is doing real, really well now. Um, But he, uh, he was, he was a pretty good picture of of mental toughness and resilience um, through that whole ordeal. So, you know, I'd like him to be recognized for that for sure.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Tyrus is a stud. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah, man so where can we get a hold of you
1: so uh, you can get a hold of me on my um, business Instagram which is uh, warhorse athletics if you just type that in the search bar it'll it'll pop up uh, it's also on Facebook and if you'd like to inquire about a, a training console or you know just finding out what warhorse is about go to warhorseathletics.com and you can email uh, warhorse athletics at gmail.com and all any of those uh, any of those uh, platforms have a way to get in touch.
0: Hell yeah, man. I'll definitely throw that up in the uh, show notes too. All the links to everything. It, Hell yeah, man. Appreciate that. Well, dude, thanks so much for being on the show, man. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on here once the season calms down. Like, yeah, kind of, thanks, like, boss. Kind of like, caught it. you on your days off there, luckily.
1: Yeah, it worked out. It worked out. I'm about to <laughs> about to get back into it after now.
0: Yeah, yeehaw. Buckle up, man. Be safe.
1: I will. Thanks, boss. I appreciate
0: it. Later, dude. Later. And boom, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with Harry Walker. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, kind of giving us some insider information about Vegas Valley Hand Crew and the veteran life. Dude, it's pretty uh, epic what you're doing. And uh, best of luck to you, man. Uh, I really hope that you earned that title of Green Beret. That's uh, one hell of an honor. And I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to be successful in that endeavor. But once again, Harry, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. If you guys want to find out more about the Veteran Crew Program, uh, definitely do a little quick Google search and uh, check out all the Veteran Crews. I know there's a ton of them. There's Vegas Valley. There's Folsom Lake. I know Lakeview has one. But there's a ton of them out there. And they are... Awesome. Yeah. If you guys are getting out of the military, you guys are uh, looking to get a new job that's pretty similar. We discussed a lot of similarities between the military and fire. Well, look into these because they're out there and they're available. So go ahead and uh, check those out. I know uh, a lot of those announcements are coming out here pretty soon. Not all of them. Uh, I do know that region five has had a bunch of them out there, but uh, yeah, there's always that trickle effect and the forest service and the Bureau of Land Management do it differently. So keep your eyes open and Keep your, uh, yeah, keep your uh, head on a swivel for those coming down the line. Anyways, special shout out to our sponsors. We got Manscaped, purveyors of the finest <laughs> trimming device in the world for the uh, old downstairs. We got Mystery Ranch; they make the finest load bearing essentials in the world. We got Hot Brewery, kick ass coffee for a kick ass cause. We got the Ass Movement. Yeah, if you guys want to uh, go get some stickers, we'll definitely go over there and to uh, www thefirewild.com and check them out because it is a great message. So bury your poop. And then last but not least, we got the smoky generation. Bethany, I love what you got going on over there and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. If you guys uh, keep your heads on the swivel for those grants coming down the line too. Anyways, hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll catch you on the next one. Stay safe. Stay savage. Peace.